Amen and amen. You want to welcome your um, neighbor to your left or to your right. Tell them welcome to church tonight. Welcome to Bible study. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you all for coming again for uh, another session of the Word. Uh, I am always on the hot seats. When P. Fred is seated right before me, <laughs> I'm not sure I'm going to outgrow seeing P. Fred <laughs> seated under every teaching that I, I do. But I'm getting better. Amen? <laughs> uh, thank you, sir, for the privilege to be able to share God's word to God's people, sir. God bless you, sir. Thank you for the opportunity. And... Um, I want to um, encourage everyone to please, let's set our heart to receive from the Lord tonight. Uh, I'm trusting God, and I believe that it's going to be very short and um, straight to the point by the grace of God. Um, God has given me um, something to share tonight. Uh, it, may be, it may be a popular uh, teaching, but I wouldn't know. Maybe it's not popular for some people, but I'm not even concerned about the popularity of the sermon, but rather uh, I'm more interested in what God has to do tonight as the word comes out from his throne of grace, because I believe that he's going to bless us. Are we ready to be blessed tonight? Amen. So I want us to set our heart to receive from him directly. So tonight, I'm going to be sharing with us uh, a kingdom message by the title, Attitudes to Become. So I want you to minister that to your neighbor. Tell them, Attitudes to Become. And I'm not sure they can hear you. Can you say it louder? Say, Attitudes to Become. Or as popularly known, the B Attitudes. That's what I'm going to be teaching tonight. I'm just going to dwell on just one text, you know, and then I can get to teach the others maybe later. But that's what I believe that the Lord would have me talk to us about tonight. So I want us to turn our Bibles very quickly to the book of Matthew, Matthew, Matthew chapter 5. It's a popular uh, sermon by her Lord Jesus, one of the kingdom messages that he preached in his time. And man, that scripture is loaded. It's so loaded that <laughs> in a lifetime we cannot exhaust the revelation knowledge that has been embedded in that scripture. So, but I trust the Holy Spirit to uncover some mysteries to us tonight in that scripture. And um, not only load us up with information, but also challenge our spirits to become better and even deeper as we uh, make attempts to improve and develop our intimacy and maturity in Christ Jesus. You know, one thing that I found out is that you cannot remove work from any type of relationships. Work is one integral and vital part that you cannot do away with where any relationship is concerned. Be it our ultimate relationship with God, which is supposed to be the number one on the list, right? Because when our relationship with God is sorted, when it is in the right shape, when it is in the best condition, you can be sure that it is going to spill over every other relationships. Am I communicating tonight? So I said all of that to say that work is required. When the Bible says that work out your salvation with fear and trembling, not work for, because we cannot work for it, lest any man should you know, boast and say, I did it by myself. No, Jesus 
did all that he had to do in order to secure our salvation. So <laughs> not what you do or don't do is going to be able to give you that because we don't get salvation by merit, all right? We don't get it because we deserve it. So we only receive it by grace because grace, in fact, salvation is a grace provision like we all know. So your work, where your work comes in now is the work of developing that intimacy with the Lord. Jesus will not come down from heaven to read your Bible for you. He won't come down to fast for you. He did his own fasting, right? He won't come down to do some, you know, all of these disciplines that we engage ourselves in just to... Um, in fact, we do what we do out of love. We are not doing it just to win or to curry um, God's favor. Rather, we are doing it as a reflect of our love. So all of those prayers that we do, fasting, you know, spending time in communion with God in his word and doing all of those, you know, dedicated um, um, service that we do in the house of God or at our workplace, in school, you know, promoting the kingdom business, advancing the frontiers of God's kingdom with everything that we do. We do them as a reflect of our love for God. Those are our worship unto the Lord. And they are works of faith. They are, they are, they are actually products of our love for God. Because we know and believe that God loves us, so that gives us the ability to be able to carry out all of those um, good works, all right? So we do them because he has helped us to be able to do what we do. So in other words, we are not sufficient in ourselves, all right? You, you, <laughs> I don't know about you, I've been there, when you actually set out, goals, you know, like you, you, you set a target, like, God, I want to spend, you know, three hours with you every day. <laughs> Please, do we get to do it every day sometimes? It, it, it doesn't happen most of the time. But when we get to that point where we say, Lord, I'm just going to trust you to help me. I've said this many times, and it doesn't look like it's working, right? Like, we want to try to do some things because we think that we can do it by our own willpower. Willpower does not work. But when we call on his help, our readily present help in time of need, then it helps us to be able to carry out those good works, and then we get the reward for our diligence in his works, our diligence in service. So I said all of that to say that, Work is important in our relationship with God. And part of that work is what has brought everyone to church tonight, to learn of him and to learn from him. And um, it, it, it shows how much you love God, all right? And that is not to say that the people that are not here physically tonight don't love God. I cannot categorically say that. But when we say that we love somebody, I want to believe that we make sacrifice. Am I correct? Aha, because love himself model the pattern, all right, how that we know that somebody loves somebody. For God so loved the world that he did what? He, he gave. So he trusts us so much to give. So tonight, like I said, I want to talk about attitudes to become. So I want us to read um, the anchor text very quickly, and I begin to say a few things that I believe God has given me. Matthew chapter 5, we're going to read from verse 1 through, um, okay, we'll just read verse 1 through 3 only, since I'll be dwelling on verse 3 alone tonight. So we can read the others when we get to them. So media, you can please help us with the text. So I want us to read it together. Want to go? And seeing the multitudes, he went up into a mountain. And when it was set, his disciples came unto him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, 
Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for there is the kingdom of heaven. So I'm going to be dwelling tonight on the poverty of the spirit. A lot of us don't like the word poverty. And yes, neither do I. I don't like it. Nobody does. In fact, Jesus came to save us from poverty. <laughs> One of the things that Jesus did, the Bible makes it clear, crystal clear, that he became poor for our sake. And as a result of him being poor, we are what? We are rich. So we are richly blessed in Christ Jesus. So, but tonight, I'm not here to talk about, you know, the material uh, richness, you know, I mean, the prosperity that we can see. Tonight, I'm here to talk about what it means to be poor in the spirit. Um, yeah, to be poor in the spirit. We're talking about spiritual uh, poverty. Amen? Spiritual poverty. And tonight, I'm going to let you see that being poor in the spirit does not have anything to do with religion at all. All right? It doesn't have anything to do with religion. In other words, it doesn't have anything to do with what you think that you can become in yourself without God. Because that's what religion actually promotes. Becoming like God without God. That's, that's what I believe religion is. No. You cannot even be poor in the spirit without God. What shows that you are poor in the spirit, I'm going to begin to talk about them briefly now. In fact, shows that you need God. So, your, your being poor in the spirit, poverty in the spirit, simply leads you to God all the time. In other words, it also takes self out of the equation and focuses your attention on God. Focuses your attention on your helper. It focuses your attention on the person who is able to help you to do everything and anything. All things that pertain to life and godliness. The Bible says it has been made available unto us. I think that's First Peter 2 and verse um, 2. First Peter 1 and verse 2, yeah. All things pertaining to life and godliness have been made available unto us. So, you don't work to get anything in this kingdom. You just believe. And as you believe what Jesus already done for you, you take them by faith. And you can only do that when you are in that position, when you wear that attitude or one of the attitudes we're about to talk um, about tonight, which is being poor in the spirit. Because being poor in the spirit will make you vulnerable to God. It will make you open. It will, it will switch on your openness button. It will cause you to see God as the only one that you need for life. It will help you to erase Dependence on yourself, on your sufficiency, on your own. In fact, you don't even have a sufficiency in yourself. You don't have sustenance in yourself. So being poor in the spirit will help you to, you know, enter into that mode. Enter into that realm where you can see God as your ultimate source. Say God is my source. In fact, that's the nut and shell of being poor in the spirit. You see God as your source of everything. So tonight I said, what does it mean to be poor in the spirit? What does it mean to be poor in the spirit? What does poverty in the spirit simply means? This is a kingdom uh, message. Only kingdom citizens can understand what it means. When you talk about poor in the world, they begin to look at you like, what are you talking about? I don't want to be poor. Nobody likes to be poor. All right. <laughs> but here we're talking about something that is of advantage to us in this kingdom, in this country that we belong to, in this citizenship, which is being poor in the spirit. Number one, what it simply means to be poor in the spirit is declaration of total independence on God. 
for everything. Declaration of total independence on God for everything. This was the original position of man in the Garden of Eden. This was the stature of man. Man totally depend on God in the Garden of Eden until sin crept in, until something happened and he made man to now begin to devise his own schemes, his own uh, means of survival, you know, to get to live every day on his own without God. But when you are poor in the spirit, what poverty of the spirit would do to you is to see yourself not outside of God. You see all that you are within the confines, within the closure of God. You see yourself just as you see God. You see yourself in God. You are totally dependent on him. You see that you can't do nothing without his help. You cannot but trust him to carry out anything at all. You cannot but trust him to wake up and keep the appointment that you yourself set. Many of us have set appointments. Say, Lord, I want to meet with you every morning. In fact, I want to start my day with you every morning at five. I'm going to spend the first one hour with you, five to six, every morning. I'm just going to do it, you know, communing with you in the word and in prayer. And you found out that you do it, you know, some two days. At the third, you barely woke up. Then you, like, you just see that there is this inconsistency. I mean, there is this uh, struggle to keep to appointment. Now, that happens when we depend on our willpower, when we depend on our own ability. But when we totally own up to God, submit, surrender, and see God as our strength. Lord, this is my desire. This is what I plan to do. Now, I know this will not be possible if you don't help me. I'm not going to be able to carry this out lest you help me. Now, that's you saying to God, I need you here. I need you here. I'm not just going to trust in my alarm or I'm not just going to trust in, in, in my past questions in school because I know that UI is going to still give us past questions to solve in the exams or tests. No, I'm not going to depend on that. But I will do due diligence in studying, but I will trust you like though I never studied. I'm not going to trust in my own intellect, but rather I'm going to trust in God's own intelligence. Like I and God are doing these exams together. I and God, we are in this trouble together. I and God, and you know that when God is in trouble with you, like we have learned, then trouble has gotten into trouble. Because you have anchored your strength. You have anchored your dependence on the Lord. You have zeroed yourself out of the equation. And all that you see is God in everything. All that you see is none other than the personality and the magnificence of God. Not what you are capable of anymore. In fact, you see that you are capable in the light of what God has empowered you to do. This is what poverty of the spirit does to you. It makes you to see. In fact, even when you know somewhere in your flesh that you don't need God to do this, you still say to yourself, Lord, I need you here. I'm not going to be able to do this effectively lest we do it together. I want your hand. I want your signature on every aspect of my life. I'm not going to compartmentalize my life and say that, God, uh, I don't need you here. I can handle this on my own. So 
you just do this with me. But this one, don't worry. I don't want to trouble you, Lord. Let me just handle this on my own. No, God wants to be involved in everything that has to do with everything about you. So, when you are being poor in the spirit, all that it does to you is to make you to be totally dependent on God for everything. Look at John chapter 15, verse 4. Media, can you help us with that very quickly? John chapter 15 and verse 4. We're talking about the attitudes to become. In other words, the position or the stature of faith that every kingdom citizen should be. Where this, constitution, where this kingdom is concerned. Because we run a kingdom. Amen? We run a kingdom. And Jesus is the king of that kingdom. And he has made us also kings and priests. It is only in this kingdom. Now, I know that every kingdom has subjects. And those are the people that the king rule over. Am I correct? So, but in this kingdom that we run, the kingdom of God is, is if it is a totally different kingdom. It is the only kingdom that all the subjects are also kings. That's why Jesus is not the king of slaves. Amen? He is the king of kings. So it is in this kingdom, it is in this territory that every subject is also a king. And Jesus has not only made us a king, he has made us also priest unto God. King to rule over the earth and priest to worship God. Amen. John 15 and verse 4, the Bible says, abide in me and I in you. Can you see that? As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself. Can you already see dependence in that? Oh, sorry. Did I say total independence? I'm, I, I was supposed to say total dependence. I'm sorry. Total dependence on God. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abides in the vine. No more can ye, except ye abide in me. Look at verse 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth little fruit. No fruit at all. More fruit. Just verse 5. We're not even done with verse 5 yet, media. Much fruit. For without me, you can do only people who are in the position of, Lord, I depend on you, can say that. That's the position of a kingdom citizen that has seen himself as being poor. Not being poor in terms of money or in terms of, you know, other other types of resources. We're talking about the position that opens you up to the blessing of God. Money and all of those things that the world chase after will come when you position yourself like this. When you see God as your source. When you pursue after God like we have been instructed to do. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. And every other thing shall be added unto you. I like the way scriptures render that, you know, text. It said, every other thing will chase after you. So you are chasing after God and every other thing that the world are killing themselves to get will begin to do what? Chase after you. Another scripture said, it will be magnetized to you. So no matter how you try to reject it, they will just stick to you. It's like grace chasing you down. When you totally depend on God, poverty of the spirit, it means you declaring total dependence on God for everything. As a branch cannot survive without the vine. So you see yourself as the branch and you can see the connection between them because the branch actually feeds on the vine. The leaves get their nutrients, you know, all that the root receives is being transported to every part of the tree. So every part of the tree receives some form of nutrients 
and they grow, they develop in due time, then we begin to see fruits eventually. So you want to see fruit in your lives, fruit of the spirits, and other fruits of good works that will redirect men to Jesus, that will show to all men that you are a kingdom citizen. Not until you wear a t-shirt that says that Jesus is Lord, or a t-shirt that says I'm a Christian. No, they will just begin to see it. It, it, it. It's an atmosphere that you carry, and it cannot be eaten. They will just know that there's something different about this brother. There's something different about this sister. What are they seeing? They are seeing the aura and the glory of God all over you, because this is a brother and a sister that is not religious, but rather carries the knowledge of God, the revelation knowledge of God, and has positioned himself to need God at all time. Number two, what poverty of the spirit simply means. It, it, it means seeing yourself as whole and complete in nothing of yourself, but in Christ alone. When you're when you see yourself through the lens of God, when we're talking about completeness, wholeness, nothing missing, nothing lacking, it has nothing to do with attachments to your personal achievements in life. It has nothing to do with how much of dollars you have in your account. It has nothing to do, in fact, your, your worth, your, your value, Right, your, your net worth is not dependent on those physical commodities. The Bible says it this way. Uh, I can't remember now, but I'll, I, I think I can remember now. It says, uh, what will it, pro okay, it said the, the life of a man does not consist in the abundance of the things that he possesses. Now, that's just, that just trash your millions, it's just, it just trash. Of course, we need it for the kingdom, yeah, for the advancement of the frontiers of the kingdom, but that does not define your identity in Christ. Your identity in Christ is independent of all of those things. In fact, your identity in Christ is what birthed those things because God gave them to you as a manager of his resources. He gave all of those money the cars and all those things that you have, he had given them to you because he trusts that you are able to manage them. He trusts that you will be an effective, effectual, timely, and correct user and manager of his resources. And he has given you all of it. He has given you all things that pertain to life and godliness because he is waiting on you to manage those things for his glory. So when you perceive yourself as whole and complete, not outside of God, no attachment with your designer shirt, your Louis Vuitton, or what do you call it, your, uh, what are the names of those designers? Please help me. Huh? I can't hear you. Versace. What? You guys know those things now. Dior, uh-huh. Okay, TM Lewins. I'm not even sure that one exists anymore. And all of those things. No. No, no, no. It doesn't. When you see yourself as whole. You know, a lot of people, I believe for identity crisis, actually, they have not understand that they are complete in God. They are unique in God. So they, and that's the trend in the world. When you have not begun to wear all of those things, you are not, uh, you don't belong to some class. I mean, they still think that you don't, you don't belong here until you begin to wear the signers. So they, they have lost their identity. They think they should put on TM Lewins. They should put on Versace before people can recognize them as one big personality. It just shows that you are suffering, bro, or sis. When you cannot, you don't think that you fit into some, you know, setting until you put on those designers. They are good, though. 
I'm not saying they are, but, but when your intention for wearing those things is just so that people can look you some certain way, you know, you think that you can, you can accrue respect or some accolades by wearing designer shirt. No, no, no. Wear Jesus. Amen? Yeah, wear Jesus. Wear the kingdom of God on you. Wear the glory of God. I mean, look good. And it shows that you identify yourself with the person of Jesus. That's the only designers that matter. You see yourself as complete and all in him. Not attached to what you wear. Not attached to maybe how you look now. But rather you see yourself as complete and all in him. So when all of those things are stripped, you still maintain your value, your identity in the person of Jesus Christ. So if you are asked, so who are you, what are you worth? Now you can tell them, yeah, I am worth the blood of Jesus. And you don't have the money to buy that. Tell me, how much do you have in your account? Can you buy just the pants of blood of Jesus? I bet you, you go broke instantly. Because it is priceless. It is invaluable. And it has nothing to do with designers. In fact, he is the ultimate designer. Hallelujah. So when you see yourself as whole, being poor in the spirit helps to reshape your perception of how you see yourself. I'm complete. I'm whole. I'm unique. I'm a different kind of being in Christ. I don't care how you look at me. You can keep your opinion to yourself. I am what Jesus already said I am. Look at Colossians 2, verses 9 through 10. Very quickly, media. Our time is fast uh, running. Poverty of the Spirit. Poverty of the Spirit helps you to see yourself as whole and complete. Look at what Colossians 2 and verse 9 says. It said, for in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And verse 10 actually is interesting to me. And you are complete in the Louis Vuitton shirt that you wear. Right? In the Nike boots that you, that, that you put on. Mm-hmm. In the Mary Kay cosmetics that you wear, ladies. Mm-mm. But you are completing him, which is the head of all principality and power. You are complete in Jesus. In him dwell. I wish <laughs> nobody's excited in this house. <laughs> Woo! I'm complete in him, in Christ. In, in Christ dwell all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. It means when you look inside of Christ, there's nothing else you are looking for. Everything that you can think of and even beyond your imagination has been, has been what? Embodied in the person of Christ. And now you are complete in him. Like a function of function. Maybe <laughs> many scientists may not understand. Many of you may not understand what that means. Mathematicians will do. Function of function. That means there is, there is, there is you in Jesus. And you carry Jesus in you. So everywhere you go, you are complete in, in, in you. Even when <laughs> some, some cliques of people are saying, you don't belong here. Well, you are right. I don't belong here. Because... <laughs> You guys don't even know what I carry. You don't even know what I carry. They did it to Jesus and they, 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 they should do it to you too. They, even Jesus' household did not accept him. Because what Jesus carried was bigger than what they are familiar with. So don't be offended when some sudden cliques disapprove of you. Just remember that you are approved of God. And that should make you happy. Even when they disapprove of you, it is not to your own loss. They are the ones that have not recognized what you carry. When they do, when God makes them do, then they know that, oh, come on, we are sorry how we treated you the last time. Would you please come now? Let us, you know. <laughs> Only God can do that. Because you, this is a kingdom citizen that knows his worth. 
that knows his value, that knows that he is complete and is whole. He's not looking for, you know, something to add to himself to now become acceptable in the face of, you know, the world. No, you are already complete. Say, I am complete. I am whole in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Poverty of the Spirit, number three, also helps you to know and to believe that you are a manager of God's resources in this realm. What God has given to you, what you have now, that's your job, that's your admission, that money in your account. Don't, don't ever say, I, I, I sweat, I, I work with my blood. Which blood? Can you create anyone? He gave you the blood. He gave you the water. He manages your entire system from the air of your head to the sole of your feet. When you are pouring the spirit, you recognize that. And know that God gave me all that I have now and all that I will have in order to manage them. He never gave you ownership. He gave you what? Rulership. He never gave you ownership. He didn't. So what you have now, you don't hold them. As a citizen of God, citizen of God's kingdom that is poor in the spirit, you, you recognize that truth. That, okay, this money that just came into my account is <laughs> not just my money. It's our money. It's God's money. This time is God's time. So when you begin to see all that you hold now as God's resources, it will inform how you manage all those resources because you see them as God's resources. This is God's resources. This is God's money. This is, is God's time. So I have to use it because God is actually waiting on how I can manage these resources. Because the Bible says to him that is faithful in little will be open to how many? Even much. So some things, in fact, God does not just answer to your prayers. He answers to management. He answers to management. He's looking for a manager. He's looking for someone that can turn the little to much. Somebody that can economize, you know, that can, that can make the most out of the little. And that's the ability I believe he has given to man. When he says, be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth, and subdue it, and dominate. All of those words are intentional. They are not just words of grammar. You know, maybe when, when Pastor Hastam is going to help us to you know, expound on those words, you will get to see that God actually is, is telling us that we are the one responsible to carry the wealth of the kingdom to the nations of the world. He has given us what it takes. I have given you the power to make wealth, the Bible says. I've given you the power to make wealth. So it means he has, he has embedded the power to make wealth in us. So why are we not making wealth? He said, I will teach you to profit. So why are we not making profit? So you see that many times when we pray for money, 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 God is saying, well, child of God, I have given you the power to make wealth. I have given you, I mean, I'm, I'm your teacher. I teach you to profit. I just need you to stay with me and listen for my direction, for my guidance. I know where the riches of the world I kept it, but I didn't keep them away from you. I kept them for you. But you are not spending time with me to figure out where those things are. After all, he has given you the keys to the kingdom. So tell me now, so why are we not appropriating the kingdom um, blessings, the kingdom benefits, when God already said he has given us the keys? It's because we think that we know too much. 
A lot of people think that they are smarter now than God. Or they think they don't even need God to figure out a lot of things. And that's why we are suffering. It's not God's fault that we are where we are now. But our own fault. So it's high time we take the position of a desperate man that is after God. That wants all of God. Because the life that God has given us is a life of quality and a life of quantity. It's not just a quality life, it's a life of abundance. God desires that we prosper and be in health even as our soul prospers. But it is high time we take the right position. The poverty of the spirit is going to help you to know and to believe that you are a manager of God's resources. And God has given management to your trust. If you, if you even look at the word that spell management, it, it looks to me like man, this, this is the age of man. <laughs> management is the age of man, the age of man to, you know, dominate, to economize, to turn little to plenty. So this is the age. And God is trusting you to be able to manage his resources. So it's high time you take up your position where you see God as the source. And all that he has given you are resources. And he's trusting you, his own people, to be able to take care of those things. Rather than see yourself as the owner, see yourself now as delegate of his grace. Because God... The world does not know God, but they know God's people. So when the world sees you, let them see the God of all provision. Let them see the God that can do all things. Let them learn how God works, how God operates from you. You don't have all the money in the world, mm -mm, but you always have what you need part-time and to also be a blessing to other people so you are okay you are complete you are whole in him in him you're whole in him amen amen let's look at what luke 12 and verse 32 says very quickly i have just two more points and then how i'll round this up we're talking about the Beatitudes, the attitudes to become as a kingdom citizen. The attitudes that open us up to God and all that is in God. You know, like I began, I said, I, we are not in this relationship with God for what we can get from him. Mm -mm. Rather, we are in this relationship with God for God, for the essence so if you are in this relation with God just for what you can get from him, then you need to repent tonight and adjust your priority. You should be in the relationship for the essence of knowing God, for the essence of, you know, just loving up on God. In doing that, the benefits will just come on autopilot. They will just stick to you because you are running after God. Look at Luke 12, 32. He said, Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Verse 33, very quickly. Sell that, sell that you have and give alms. Provide yourselves bags which wax no hold, a treasure in the heavens that fill it not, where no thief approacheth, neither moth corrupted. And verse 34. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. What is treasure to you, child of God? Do you see God as the treasure that you need? As the treasure that you seek? As a citizen of God that is born in the Spirit, the object 
In fact, the solution to your poverty should not be money. Rather, it should be what? The God of all flesh. Not the God of money, but rather the almighty God. The God that embodies abundance. So when you are poor in the spirit, you open yourself to the knowledge and the beliefs that God has entrusted management into your care. He, he trusts you so much that he has given you the kingdom. He has given you his intent, power, and purpose so that you can materialize it on earth. And the people, the world will see God in your manifestation. Can I hear a loud amen? Fourth, poverty of the spirit means that your desire, your attention is on the Lord at all times. Your desire, your attention is on your Lord. It becomes your motivation, your inspiration all the time. The reason you woke up in the morning and you want to go to your job is not just because you are on the payroll or you are getting some, some, some salaries, but because you see that as a service as unto the Lord. I'm going to my workplace because I know that that's my platform to showcase the kingdom of God. All of my colleagues are my converts. They are the people that even when I don't get to talk to them about Jesus today and I continue tomorrow, I may not get to finish it up, we'll still meet ourselves the next day. So you have converts that are trapped just waiting for you to sow the seed of God's word. And you are doing all of that because your desire, your attention is on God. You have a burden. Your poverty of the spirit will create a burden for souls in your heart. <laughs> I believe the Holy Spirit just gave me that. That's not even in my notes. It, it, it will create a burden for souls in your heart. You, you, you begin to see how that you can introduce God in every arena of your life. You can't talk for too long without saying something that has to do with the proficiency of God. Without having to say something about the kingdom that you belong. You just want to talk about the citizenship of the kingdom. How that people can, you know, enjoy God. Even though it looks strange to them that a mere mortal can hear God, they don't understand. But when they see somebody that has been there and that is enjoying the fellowship of God, because your desire, your attention is on God and is the reason why you do all that you do. Your motivation for doing anything at all is to the end that his name alone will be glorified. He, you know, it promotes the kingdom. So when you're poor in the spirit, he opens you up to that dimension where your heartfelt desire, your attention is on God at all times. Even in the midst of the busyness of life, even in the midst of the vicissitudes of, of life, you, you are not distracted. You know, the devil is so smart that he has... He has devised distraction as a major scheme or device that he now deploys against believers especially. In fact, he, he, he distracts us with good things. Good things most of the time. That we are not sensitive enough to, you know, to decipher that, hey, wait, what's going on here? We have left our priority to now doing something else. You know, it would take time and the grace of God to discover that, oh, come on now, this is where we should be. What's going on here? The devil can do that. But by the help of the Holy Spirit and, you know, we taking the position of God, we need you. It will open us up and it will feel, it will feed our desire and attention on the Lord at all times. You know, somebody asking you questions that you don't even have answers to. You don't just open your mouth and begin to say rubbish. 
You just say, you know what, can you give me a few minutes? Let me, let me talk to God. Let me talk to God about this. Because <laughs> you know where your answer lies. You know where you, your solution is. You know where your help comes from. Even when the enemy meant shame for you, you know who the lifter of your head is and the promoter of your life. Look at what Colossians 3 and verse 12 says. It says, set your affection on God. Colossians 3 and verse 12 and verse 2. Colossians 3 and verse 2. Media, can you help us with that? Set your affection on God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on earth. In other words, why we look not on the things which are seen? For the things which are seen are what? Temporary. But the things which are unseen, for the things which are unseen are eternal. God does not want us to focus on what we can see, but rather he wants us to respond to the unseen. He wants us to be uh, so open and sensitive to his instruction, to his guidance, to his direction as we walk with him on this journey. Look at the way Isaiah 50 and verse 7 says it. I love this scripture so much. Isaiah 6, um, 50, verse 7. Look at what Isaiah 50 and verse 7 says. Say, For the Lord God will help me. Can we read it together, church? For the Lord God will help me. Therefore shall I not be confounded. In other words, I will not be confused. I will not lose my balance. Therefore have I set my face like a flint or like a statue. Everybody is familiar with a statue, right? You've seen some um, work of art in some hotels and homes and, you know, I mean, those things, wherever you put them, wherever they are looking is where they will be looking lest you change their position. Am I right? That's the way God wants us to look at him. I have set my face like a flint and I know that I shall not be, I shall not be what? Ashamed. When you set your heart your desire, your attention on God, then you can never be ashamed. Even when all that surrounds you is smelling like shame, the perfume of God in his glory will douse the fire. He will extinguish it and turn it around to a sweet savour, sweet aroma of his praise. And you will come out of that situation, a victorious man. Why? Because you set your gaze, your desire, your attention on God. And it is only when you are in the position of being poor in the spirit that you can do that. Because at this point in time, you see no strength in yourself. In fact, you have gotten to the end of your wits. You have gotten to your tata's hand. No more option. No more idea of yourself. So where do you turn when you get to that point in your life where it looks like you are now blank? Nothing more. You need God. But we don't have to get to that point in our lives before we get or we take on this attitude. That's why we call them the attitudes to become. The B attitudes. You should be poor in the spirit and being poor in the spirit makes it, I mean the Bible makes it clear that it's a blessing. You saw the way you started, it's a blessed are the poor in the spirit. I know we like blessed but we don't like poor. Many people would read the blessed are the in spirit. <laughs> they remove the poor. No. Poverty of the spirit will lose you up because God is Looking for, in fact, when you are poor in the spirit, it shows humility. And the Bible makes it clear that God gives grace to the humble. So the poor in the spirit definitely will attract the grace of God. God will set into the sin at all times because this, they are in a position where they are like, God, all I need now is you. All I need now is you. If you don't come, it is shame. Shame is eminence. All that I need now is you. 
And that's the position they are every time. All that I need now is you. All that I need now is you, Lord. So not until I get into trouble before I begin to shout help. No. When you are in that position, it will even save you from entering into trouble. Because you are running in, in fact, there's a, there's a way the Bible calls this word. You are running, you are walking circumspectly. Like, um, what's the name of this animal now? Like, um, I, I forgot the name of this animal. Chameleon. How many of you know chameleon? Good. In fact, there's one of these meats that we've been told. And it's very funny. In fact, the man said it this way, that once upon a time, there's a chameleon, and then there is this sharp-running small animal. I think they call it squirrel. You guys know squirrel, too. Do you know squirrel? <laughs> okay, good. So my, my story will make sense. Squirrel and chameleon. Now, squirrel will run swiftly and run on the tree, Right? And the chameleon will be looking at the squirrel like, ah, you, why are you running so fast? But the chameleon, before it climbs the tree, we use his finger to touch the tree like this. Like, ah, I just wanted to be sure that this tree will not fall when I climb. Please, how big is chameleon? It's very tiny. And he's, he's doing like this to an Iroko tree. Or... And, and hog tree. Oh, please help me with the biggest tree now. Our, our botanist in the house. What's the biggest tree that you can remember? <laughs> so a chameleon is doing like this to the tree. Like before it takes one step, it will do that. When he's sure that, okay, I think this thing can carry me. I think this thing is, is steady enough to be able to, to carry me. Then it will take the next step. Whereas the squirrel has run up the tree like several times. And he's just staring at the chameleon like, ah, for how many years are you going to be there? That's the way God wants us to walk. Like a chameleon, walk circumspectly. To walk circumspectly. And the way we do that is by the Spirit. Is by the Spirit. When we think that we have all it takes then we sometimes our overconfidence in ourselves can lead us to a very dangerous situation. But when we own up to God at all times, say, Lord, I trust you every step of this journey. I yield to your Holy Spirit even when I'm about to help you. Because many times we even help God. God does not need our help. As a matter of fact, you need his help. Say, I need his help. Aha. So don't try to help God many times. Because that's what we do most of the time. Because we think that we can help God. No. God wants us to just trust him enough that he is able to do this. And it is when we're in the position of that being poor in the spirit that we can, you know, set our desire and attention on the Lord at all times, and then we will see His grace. We will receive His grace. And finally, being poor in the Spirit helps us to see, oh, I think I've said it before, but I'll say it again, see ourselves through the lens of His grace. Media, please help me with 1 John 4 and verse 17. Being poor in the Spirit helps us to see ourselves through the lens of His grace. Let's read it together, church. Herein is our love made perfect that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so are we. Where? Do you know as God is in heaven? He's king of heaven. And you are. He has made you king on earth. So when you are poor in the spirit, you are able to receive that as a child. You are not proud. You don't think, well, I don't think I belong to that category of people. No. That's God giving you a gift. He has made you king on earth. So when you see yourself like that, my father is king in the heavenly realm. And he has made me king on earth. So I will 
carry myself in that light. I will see myself the way he has seen me. Because as he is there, so am I on earth. Do you know how he is there? That's the question you want to answer on your way home. Do you know how he is there? Yeah, because you are a child of God, you should know how he is. And you know how he is in your communion with him, in your relationship with him. You don't stop working at it. Because the more of him you know, the more of what you become on earth. The more of God you know, the more of him you know over there, the more of God you become here. I like the way Pastor Jolly say this. He says, um, the degree of your yieldedness will determine what? The degree of your value, your relevance on earth. And that is true. The more of God you know, that will drive you. It will drive your life. It will inform your decision. It will, in fact, it will promote every action that you take. And that you are walking step by step in harmony at the center of God's will for your lives. And you will not run to Waterloo. Rather, you will end up at God's destination. You will receive God's result because you are walking in the God kind of way. And may the Lord help us real good in the name of Jesus. So it is high time, brethren, that we take on our attitude of being poor in the spirit because it opens us up to all that God is and all that God contains and all that he is able to give. And I pray that the Lord will help us from tonight in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen and amen. I believe we've got something out of this tonight.